soon it is going to be time for news with my son. Oh, the phone is now ringing. That's a good sign. And hopefully, very quickly, Jefferson will pick up. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> we, uh, we started without you. So now it is time for news with my son. And on the phone from Manzanita, Jefferson Smith, my son. How you doing, my boy? I'm doing okay, Pop. I am my thoughts and heart going out to our listeners, everybody out there who has crisis upon crisis upon crisis, who is living through uh, the most challenging year in recorded memory. And I know that there's just got to be so much stress in people's lives. I know there is in the lives of so many people in our circle. And so I'm just, my, my thoughts are going out to folks. Yeah, me too. You want to take over or shall I just jump Not in? Ed, with you're my... in charge. I okay. will say that uh, we just had, in terms of, and I have to thank you to uh, thank you to Libra Ford. Uh, Libra Ford, who's the chief operating officer at uh, self-enhancement who got evacuated from her place uh, last week and just joined uh, and just moved into our place, my place uh, in order to, I got a text last week uh, from a dear friend saying that, that she's saying, hey, do you have an Airbnb or something? Because this colleague of mine is sort of his boss is going to be a is moving to a shelter with her two kids and, uh, and I said no, I don't have an Airbnb but I have a house because I've been you know, remodeling this place and we were moving out and we haven't moved out, moved into the new place yet so it doesn't have any furniture but it has a bathroom and bathrooms and it has a kitchen and has you know a, a, a four walls and more than four walls and a ceiling uh, and a roof and so the uh, and, so they and, moved and on I in and actually, actually, to be clear, some uh, uh, some vegan pastry puffs. <laughs> she 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 makes delicious pastry, and to be clear, that that is going to be the place where you are occupying. But until I die, it's still going to be mine. <laughs> the uh, uh, and when it's good good to be possessive, Pop. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, when we um, and. It was, uh, but she is now. Conditions are good. There's a little bit of good news. Conditions in uh, in Culver, uh, anyway, in, uh, near near Damascus, out Clackamas County way, have improved sufficiently that uh, she's able. Her house is not going to burn down, and she and her family are going to be able to head back. So that's a bit of good news. Well, we're going to talk a good deal about the fires, but first, I want to give my shout out. Now we have we have a new person on the board this morning. Brian is an intern, his first day, so he and I are learning together. And what he doesn't know is it, we have some really neat shout-out music, and he's about to see if he can play the shout-out music. If it doesn't show up, we'll just go on without it. <laughs> I am shouting out this morning first for all of the firefighters. The firefighters in Washington, the firefighters in California, and most of all for the firefighters in Oregon who are addressing this horrible fire challenge. 
I also want to shout out for Lexi Longstreet and Dylan and Tanner Alexander, ages 22 and 19, because Dylan and Tanner are identical twins, of the Enchanted Partners in Junction City, who recognize that the children who were displaced from their homes and went with their families to the Springfield, Oregon Evacuation Center really were under a lot of stress, and so they dressed up as superheroes and went and are entertaining those kids, really relieving them of the stress and fear from the fires. My compliments to Lexi, Dylan, and Tanner. And last, I want to shout out for all of the athletes, starting with Naomi Osaka, but all of the athletes who are supporting actively, actively, the the need to recognize that it's past time we did away with racial injustice in America. Naomi Osaka, who won the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament, her mask says on it, George Floyd. Not too bad for a woman who still claims allegiance to Japan. And then I, before we get into the news, I want to Nope. Pop, I think she didn't just do, I think she didn't just uh, do George Floyd, right? I believe she wore seven masks uh, with seven with different, different things, names, yes. Each a different, um, uh, each a each a different victim yep. of violence. Were those were those all at different tournaments, uh, or or? Uh, well, she she played she tournaments or she played she tournament? played she played she had to win seven matches to get to the final. Got it. To, to, Got to, it. Yeah, because uh, Trayvon yeah. Martin and uh, and uh, Ahmad Arbery uh, and Elijah McClain uh, and, and I, I'm saying these because I think it's useful to say the name. Orlando Castile, uh, Tamir Rice uh, were all among uh, all among uh, Osaka's masks. And I want to acknowledge the passing of Thomas Walter Jernstead at age 75. Oregonian who was the father of March Madness. He made a great contribution to the spring activities of America. So let's talk about the fires. You want to go first? Well, I, I already said my piece, the beginning of my piece about the fires, Dad. I will say that we reached over 500 in the AQI. The scale is supposed to go to 500. Uh, we were many people would check in, enter their zip code, and get an alert saying they were beyond index instead of just hazardous or, or not quite as bad as hazardous, unhealthy. Many a uh, many a friend exclaimed with some joy that they had, and including people on the coast, uh, saying, "Oh, I'm so happy! I've never been so happy just to have unhealthy air uh, or very unhealthy air. At least it's not." Uh, hazardous or beyond index. Dad, go ahead. Tell us. Well, of course, what we're talking about is the parts per million of stuff in the air that shouldn't be there that's unhealthy. And Portland, Portland has been rated the most polluted city in the world for the last couple of days. Now, when we're talking about the fires, first thing I want to say about the fires, listen carefully, everybody. You may receive a text, or you may receive something 
on other social media saying that these fires have been started by Antifa people. Not true. Law enforcement across the state have gone out of their way to say not true. Simply one more example of far-right lies which they make up all of the time. Also want to express a real concern. George Atia, who's looked upon as the savior of the Opal Creek forest, is missing. We should all be genuflecting to whatever supernatural force we pledge allegiance to to give us rain. What we need most is rain. Please send us rain. Maybe some showers today, maybe some showers tomorrow. uh, Forecast, if people pray really, really hard today, they pray really, really hard today, it's supposed to rain on Tuesday. Let's hope so. Julie Parrish. You recognize the name of Julie Parrish. She managed to land an op-ed in the Washington Post in which she blames the carnage in Oregon on environmentalists and on the state for not adequately managing the forests and letting them overgrow. I I saw the headline of that post in the Washington Post, and it it may have even been shared on the x-ray slack and i saw the thumbnail and i said okay i understand that uh, that conservative argument i'm sort of surprised the washington post decided to use that as an op-ed i didn't click on it and read it and realize that was julie parrish who of course has been on the show yeah she's been on the show julie parrish was a member of the oregon legislature very very bright woman who i know i remember you saying that the uh, when you were in the legislature and the caucus was discounting her and you were warning them that she was one of the best things the R's might have going for them, which proved to be true. Yeah, no, when, when she was in, and, and, and you know, I'm neither here to praise Caesar nor bury her, but the, uh, her, her Twitter handle was Hot Coupon Mama, and that created various uh, titter. Uh, and and uh, and joke among among certain state legislators. Oh, how can we take this person seriously? Listen, there's a lot of people who clip coupons, uh, and and by the way, being somebody who clips coupons does not dehumanize someone, uh, particularly a Republican who's trying to you know get votes not only among plutocrats, and uh, and that is not. If, if, and anybody who says it's crazy, if it's crazy at all, it's crazy like a fox. Uh, and sure enough, and she fell out of some favor occasionally with her colleagues because she would go a different way, uh, but ended up, I mean, she was instrumental in electing uh, Dennis Richardson, who is the only statewide elected Republican uh, in uh, Portland, uh, also, of course, been on the show, Beth Carno, who filled his seat, now the only, uh, by, by appointment, to be clear, not election, uh, to be the only Republican statewide elected official in Oregon. Uh, so, yeah, I, my view has always been that Julie Parrish is, is formidable. If you agree with her, that's a compliment. If you don't, that's a threat. But, uh, but yeah, I did, now she's in the Washington Post saying the reason we have fires is because we're not logging enough. Yep. Okay. I'd like to go to international next, if that's okay. 
it would be you're in charge then. It might be the opposite of where I would start, but you're in charge, so have at it. Well, okay, well, international. First, some good news out of Indonesia, and it's not very often we get good news out of Indonesia. Some scientists have discovered that by inserting into mosquitoes a Wolbachia bacterium, the incidence of dang fever has been reduced by 77%. Apparently, putting that into the mosquitoes makes that they don't carry the dang fever so much, which is very good. News out of Japan. The is it dang? I think it's dengue fever. Isn't it dengue fever? Is it dengue? I don't I know that I've ever. I don't know that I've ever heard it pronounced. It's, it's, it's spelled D-E-N-G-U-E, so dengue might well be the way. I think it's dengue, but you know. <laughs> anyway, hopefully, hopefully anyway, we'll it's it's a it's a it's a, it's a deadly disease, and cutting it down by seventy-seven percent is no small thing. News yeah. out of Japan: Prime Minister Abe announced his re- retirement uh, several days ago because of health problems. His Close associate Yoshida Suga has been nominated by the Liberal Party to be his replacement, and since the Liberal Party has a overwhelming majority in the Japanese legislature, on Wednesday he is certain to be named as the new Prime Minister, which suggests that the policies of Abe will pretty much be continued. While we're talking about Japan, They have entered into a trade deal with the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom, Great Britain, is going to need a lot of trade deals as they leave Brexit, because as as they leave the EU because of Brexit, because they will not be able to rely upon the deals between the EU and other countries. TikTok. TikTok is going with Oracle not with Microsoft. You're going with Oracle? Yep. I'd miss that. I am not a TikTok teen, although there are certain things they've done that I've appreciated, uh, but I did not know they are going to Oracle. Thank yeah. you for that news. Uh, it, what people, some people might not know about this show is that we do prepare, prior to the show, a Google Doc. That Google Doc is not always observed by everybody. And I mean by not everybody, eh, sometimes not by pop. And so very often, I learn as well from this. In fact, that's how the show started, because I realized, hey, if we're supposed to talk about the news, the person who knows the most news is my dad. My dad always knows the news. He should be on the air talking about the news. So thank you, Pop, for delivering that piece of news to me about Oracle and TikTok. And are we still going to get, now that Joey has departed for parts far east, Joey is gone, are we still going to get the... Google Doc because I did not get that report for t- this morning's show. It's a good question. We may we may want to delay the production meeting until a little bit different time in the show, or maybe even not during the show. But uh, but <laughs> of course we hope so. But right now, what I feel is so much gratitude for uh, Miranda who is putting in so much work to make this all work, and to Brian who's doing. I think this is Brian's very first time running the ones and twos. It is so his first time. Big big thanks to Brian as well. And he is he 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 knew how to let me in this morning, and so far we're doing okay. All right. The uprest in Belarus continues to fester. A hundred thousand women marching against it. 
It's going to be really, I'm just really fascinated to see what is happening there, whether or not an honest-to-goodness grassroots uprising can get rid of an authoritarian dictator where in the 21st century we're going to see. Afghan peace talks have begun. I've got to say I am, I am cynical about the Afghan peace talks because I have grave doubts that the Taliban are ever going to consent or if they do appear to consent to follow through with whatever agreement they made, which results in anything but their ultimate retaking control of that country. That, uh, I don't want to be unduly pessimistic, but I, I don't think they can be trusted any farther than you can throw a bull by the tail. And I just think that they if they enter into a, a deal that appears good, it will only be a matter of time before they violate it because their ultimate goal is to get back in control of that country. Do you have any thoughts on that? Keep going, Dan. Well, while we're talking about Afghanistan, there are also <laughs> there are really bad floods in Afghanistan. It would be nice if we could just trade weather with them for about 24 hours. The The boats in the Bay of Biscay, and so you know where the Bay of Biscay is, if you look at where France and Spain come together, that indentation that runs to the east is the Bay of Biscay. Orcas are ramming boats there and disabling them. And and nobody has ever seen this before, but there there is a, an uprising of orcas, which... Uh, Scientists do not understand. Israel and Bahrain have made up. They are entering into a peace deal, which is now the second Arab country that is going with Israel. And while we're talking about Israel, they are going into a three-week lockdown in which people are told you cannot go more than 500 yards away from your home without a really good excuse. They're going to do that for three weeks, apparently because Bibi Netanyahu let them open up too soon. The, the, conf, the conflict between politicians and scientists is fascinating to watch what's happened. While we're talking about COVID, the Australia... National Science Agency Director of Biological Research has warned that superbugs are likely to make COVID look like a walk in the park. He says that superbugs, and superbugs of course develop because of antibiotics and they mutate and mutate and mutate so that antibiotics won't knock them out anymore, and as they get stronger and stronger, our immune systems don't take care of them very well anymore. He says that they may take us into the dark ages of health, which strikes me as pretty scary. Do you have any other international news before we start talking about COVID? 
I, you know, I, I just, my favorite part is enjoy what we're, while we're talking about and then continue to talk about the next thing, Dad. I'm good. Okay, well, let's talk about COVID. One of the, one of the problems that COVID is developing, do you know there are ships crews all over the world that are stuck on their ships that have not been allowed off their ships, no shore leave for six months or better. And that sounds pretty, pretty grim. And I have to wonder, and they, they can't mutiny because it isn't, the, it isn't the captains of the ships that are doing this, it's the ports that are saying, telling the ships, we're not going to allow anybody on your ships to come ashore. What do you do about that? What do you do about that? Are you aware that there is a surge in COVID in the Dakotas? Have you seen that? Uh, is that is that related to the uh, uh, is that related to the motorcycle rally? That's partly to the motorcycle rally, uh, but of course that was just in Sturgis and and in, in, in North Dakota. South Dakota is also having a surge, and it appears to be closely related that there is a whole lot of resistance in the Dakotas, starting in their governor's offices to wearing masks and to social distancing. The governors have declined to exercise any real leadership in trying to it, and they, they are now paying the price for that. The, uh, you, you, have to, you have to say that it's too bad. There are people who are going to get really sick, and there are also people who are going to die in the Dakotas in significant part because of the lack of leadership in the governor's office. Repu Republicans who frankly listened to the president, who lied to the American people, who knew in January how dangerous the coronavirus was, and yet for weeks and weeks and weeks assured everybody it's okay, it's going to go away. And the governors listened to that. So the, uh, the chickens are coming home to roost. The yeah, there's been some back and forth. You know, the, uh, Yahoo News and others reported about a study uh, about the Stur Sturgis rally, the motorcycle rally is a super spreader event uh, that may that when more than 460,000 people gathered for that celebration, one of the biggest in-person gatherings since COVID-19 started, that it may have affected as many as 266,000 people. This was uh, a study by Joseph Sabia, uh, one of the authors of the studies of professor at San Diego State University. Then a set of professors at Johns Hopkins called that into some question, and the South Dakota, I think it was the South Dakota governor, you know, said, oh, fake science, it's not real. We didn't get that many cases. We might have gotten 290 cases, but that's it. Uh, South Dakota governor, uh, Christy Nome, I think it's Nome, the right of the study is fiction, uh, but now we're seeing huge spikes in the Dakotas, and they might like to say it ain't because of the rally, but, uh, you know, Professor San Diego might say otherwise. While we're talking about COVID, there are over 36,000 cases on college campuses attributed to college students 
not taking seriously the need for masks or for social distancing, especially not taking serious the need for social distancing with having indoor parties, 36,000 on campuses, which so there are schools that have opened and have closed again. The, uh, and Dr. Fauci says, we may not be out of this until the end of next year. Studies at Yale, or led by Yale, which are multi-organizational studies, say that it appears that COVID is not only affecting the respiratory system, but that it's attacking the brain, giving people confusion and delirium. It's attacking the kidneys. It's attacking the liver. It's attacking blood cells. No small thing about what this the description, the description that DDT gave to Bob Woodward in January of this year is pretty accurate that this is horrible, that it's really powerful. It would have been really nice if he had decided to tell the truth to the American people so that the American people would have had more of a head start in addressing COVID and many, many, many lives could have been saved. And you have to wonder, in addition to those lives, how many people are going to have permanent brain damage or permanent kidney damage or permanent liver damage or permanent blood cell damage that they would not have had had in January and February and March instead of assuring everybody it's going to be okay and instead of making fun of people for wearing masks and instead of instead of showing how courageous he was by not wearing a mask, modeling a mask, and, and instead of having one big public event after another, more recently just over the weekend in Nevada, with people cheek to jowl, shoulder to shoulder, saying, no, we're not going to do that, how many folks would have been spared that kind of damage? We'll never know exactly, but we can be sure it was a lot. It was a lot. The uh, And while we're talking about COVID, there appears that Amazon, I, I don't know if it's true, but Amazon has been accused of price gouging because it. what is true is that Amazon considerably upped the price of sanitizers and other stuff necessary to address COVID. And they're saying, oh, no, it was all because of their suppliers increased it. Of course, Amazon has so much power to address what their suppliers charge. I'm a little, a little skeptical about their excuses. But anyhow, uh, as somebody who has yet to buy anything on Amazon, I feel a little smugly self-righteous for that right now. National Something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while, we've mentioned it, we've referred to it relatively briefly, is the doctrine of qualified immunity. Jeff, why don't you quickly explain what qualified immunity refers to, and then I'm going to go on with why I am pessimistic that anything good is going to happen. Qualified immunity is a legal principle that grants government officials who are performing their functions, immunity from civil lawsuits, unless they show, unless there's a 
very high evidentiary showing. Uh, typically, unless they've showed that uh, the officials violated clearly established rights with any reasonable person, which any reasonable person would have known. Uh, and essentially, it is the block, most often in the news recently, uh, around qualified immunity for police officers, that if uh, any of the names or the families of uh, any of the men uh, on the names that I think in her case it was mostly all men that uh, the new U.S. Open champion, the names of the people, the fallen human beings who Naomi Osaka had put on her masks, any of those families sued a police officer, qualified immunity would be the doctrine that would keep any of those lawsuits from uh, providing any uh, recompense to those families. And this was created, created out of whole cloth by the Supreme Court to limit lawsuits brought under the Civil Rights Act of 1871 so they could abolish it anytime they wanted and Congress could t- do it by if they could get something passed. But don't hold your breath. Just last month, the justices declined to review a decision by a federal appellate court that held, because of qualified immunity, police officers who stole, S-T-O-L-E, stole private property during a raid couldn't be sued by the owners because the officers knew that stealing was wrong, but they weren't on notice that doing so violated the constitutional rights of the people they stole from. They also decided last month not to hear the appeal of a decision holding that qualified immunity protects a deputy accused of throwing a woman in a bathing suit to the ground hard enough to knock her unconscious and fracture her collarbone. The incident arose after a friend tried to push the woman into a swimming pool. A bystander called the cops after guessing wrongly that the woman was being assaulted. In other words, the woman the deputy knocked unconscious was the alleged victim of a crime that had been committed. So I'm I'm pessimistic about qualified immunity being changed, but boy, it sure does need to be changed. National news. The African Methodist Episcopal Church National Organization has written a letter to DDT's campaign demanding that it get rid of an ad that they've been that the campaign's been putting out which ends with a, a shot of Joe Biden kneeling with in, in an AME church and saying that uh, strongly, strongly implying that the people he is with are thugs. And the spokesman for the campaign have said, why it's awful even to suggest such a thing. The hypocrisy has absolutely no place to stop in that organization. National News, does the name Curtis Flowers register with you? It doesn't, but I'm enjoying being here with you. Curtis Flowers was somebody who was charged with, charged and convicted years ago 
of a crime that was committed by somebody 24 years ago, and the the prosecution very, very clearly and obviously in the first trial stacked the court with white dudes to make sure that there were no, no, no black people, coincidentally Curtis Flowers being the black defendant, and they, the court said, hey, no, that was an unconstitutional act in what you did with the jury. So they have tried him six times over 24 years, six times. Every single time it's got to the appeals court, they've said, you did it again. Mississippi, the prosecutor, has finally decided to give up. Curtis Flowers is not going to have to be tried for a seventh time, but nobody's going to give him back his 24 years. While we're talking about the courts, circuit court in New York has ruled three to zero that DDT's attempt to not count undocumented people in the census is not legal. In fact, the court says it's obviously, so obviously illegal. But of course, being obviously illegal is not anything that has stopped DDT. And now the Attorney General so far, so don't hold your breath. And while we're talking about the courts, I, I, when are we going to learn why Nora Danahy resigned from the Durham Task Force? Tell people what we're talking about so we can talk about that. I'm not with you, Dad. You have to explain. Nora Danahy, the, 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 the chief deputy to Dur the Durham Task Force was the task force created by Barr to investigate, to try to find something, obviously trying to find something that uh, shows there was bad conduct by the FBI and by the Obama administration in 2016. And Nora he is, but was chief deputy in that task force, and she has resigned, and peers of hers have said the reason she did it is because there was so much pressure to publish something from the task force before the election, which would be before they really had the story to tell. And I'm just, I'm just waiting to see who, who is going to be the journalist that nabs the first interview with her to find out why she really walked away, because Everybody who knows her says that she was a superb lawyer, that she was completely nonpartisan, that she brought high professionalism to her office, and it's very weird for somebody working on a project like that to walk away in the middle of the project. Do you have any thoughts? I don't. Well, then, let's talk about what the National Black Farmers Association, which has about 100,000 members, farmers who are African-American, have told John Deere, well, actually, telling us. 
If you're out there considering buying a John Deere tractor or a John Deere mower or a John Deere rake, if they make rakes, be aware that the National Black Farmers Association is asking people to boycott John Deere because John Deere refuses to send any of its representatives to the annual conference of the National Black Farmers Association. It has been doing that for years. And finally, the president of the NBFA, John Boyd, telephoned the president of John Deere, John May, and John May just shut him off. No, we're not, we'll, we won't even bring a lawnmower to your conference. Clearly, clearly a racist policy. And so, folks, if you're considering, considering buying something John Deere, make it very clear this station is not recommending anything but the National Black Farmers Association is. While we're talking about DDT, did you see that he has decided that there's going to be no more sensitivity training for federal employees? I did see that. <laughs> what, do you, what are your thoughts about that? Is, that? is that a good thing to save money, or is that uh, something that's a, because he really doesn't want them, he doesn't want federal employees to be sensitive? Uh, I, I don't know that my analysis is all that is all that useful on on the subject, but I'll offer some. My speculation is that it's that much of the way that the current president decides uh, uh, decides his initiatives is what will yield uh, uh, the electronic applause in the various right wing. Uh, media organs that have maintained, built and maintained the red wall and built and maintained the support. And being able to go after snowflakey trainings is one way to do that. There might be, you know, there, there might be the other, um, another possible route of how it came up. There might be some lower level Trump administration apparatchik and Confederate who wanted to root out this kind of training. Uh, but beyond that, I'll just be offering uh, speculation. I would like to get to election news and local news. We've got about uh, 18 minutes. Would like would like to make sure we do those, Dad. We'll get there. Steal your steal your thunder. You've had lots of smorgasbord today. We will we will get there. But while while we are talking about sensitivity training, one of the challenges in having this is the is the ignorance of the American population of just how problematic systemic racism it is. To, to give an example, Jennifer Richardson has researched what Americans think about, think is the actual gap between black and white family wealth, both past and present. And that gap has remained pretty stable for 50 years, for more than 50 years. But Americans tend to assume that it is narrowed over time. And research shows, explains why such misconception persists. Participants in one study were asked to imagine America 
as having a population of 100 people and to estimate how many would see their income rise from the bottom 20% to the top 20% over 10 years. They guessed that 16 out of those 100 would make the leap. Guess how many research showed would actually make the leap? And four. I will give you a hint, it's less than 16. You're guessing four? <laughs> Try one. Not very many. Try one. And of the respondents, young people and those who self-reported high socioeconomic status were especially off target. In other words, the better off you were, the assumption was that everybody else was better off too. Not true. DDT is dealing with Woodward, and DDT has now decided that the Woodward book is just fake, and particularly it's fake because the UAE-Israel deal didn't make it into the book. But this is this is going to be this is going to be kind of tough. I think it's fake, and we have, that just needs to be can you be talked about. He has put out a list of who he's likely to appoint to the Supreme Court if he's reelected, and he's named three senators: Cruz, Cotton, and Hawley. I find it interesting that the man he called Lying Ted in 2016, he now says he might seriously want to appoint to the Supreme Court. I guess he discovered, well, what had he discovered? Roger Stone. Have you seen what Roger Stone recently said? Did you catch that? Did. Tell everybody. Uh, Roger Stone has called into question the, uh, as so many Trump Confederates have, any election that would not lead to, that would not result in uh, or looking in the rearview mirror ahead of time uh, had not resulted in Donald Trump's victory yeah here's the, here's the president declare martial law if he loses the election in November yeah that's pretty serious pretty serious and we're going to talk about election news we'll go on election news almost immediately but I do want to mention that one of the big promises DDT made in 2016 he's going to stop jobs from being overseas. Well, in the last three years, over 300,000 jobs have been moved from the United States to overseas. And in just March to July of this year, 37,000 jobs went overseas. One example, Bed Bath & Beyond in Layton, Utah, which is close to the farm in which I was reared, they just lost, they were just shut down because all the jobs were sent to the Philippines. And speaking of how bad it was, the folks in Leighton were asked to train these people in Philippines, being told that that was because there was overflow and they needed backup. What they didn't know it was not backup; it was to take their jobs. So, election news. What do you want to talk about with election? Go for it. Well, there is one. And a bunch of things. I'll, I'll run through a couple of things. Uh, how much, Dan? How much attention do you pay to fundraising numbers? I haven't paid all that much attention to fundraising numbers. That's something you're tracking. I don't track it, but I. But there's so, the press is so. So fixated on fundraising, uh, something I've been decrying for f four decades, 
that the press is more interested in how much money you raised than the cogency of the things that you are proposing to do if you are elected. But, uh, but yeah, your concern, your concern is that covering the horse race too much ends up become a, becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy that the yeah. uh, raising the money itself can almost be not only a value for how much you raise, but it can make you seem viable, stronger. Right. If, if you don't raise a lot of money, we're not going to talk about you. But if you do raise a lot of money, we are going to talk about you. So no matter how ridiculous what you're proposing may be, or how stupid you're proposing may be, or the fact that you're not proposing anything, if you're raising a lot of money, you get a lot of news. Yeah. One of the big values, of course, money is helpful in campaigns. The other big value it has is, is it's an objective measure. And it, it is hard to hold attention sufficiently, but it's, it's worth getting back to first principles, because I, of course, agree with you. Uh, the, it is hard to hold attention significantly to evaluate the relative, uh, uh, the relative value of people's various plans, uh, but a number is easy to fixate upon. All of that said, Joe Biden outraised Trump by $150 million in August. And there were a, a raft of stories about how Trump had gone dark on television and how that was worrying some people in the Trump team. And then uh, then former Mayor Bloomberg has pledged $100 million to win in Florida. All of that in the context also of a new poll showing that Latino voters in Florida, which of course includes uh, Cubano, includes Cuban uh, voters in Florida, Cuban American voters in Florida, are uh, are slightly favoring Donald Trump. I think it was fifty to forty six, as I recall in the poll. Uh, and so Florida being seen as a huge battleground, that just about impossible for Trump to be elected president. I think if he doesn't win Florida, uh, very very hard for him to get the electoral math if he uh, if he doesn't win Florida. And so in comes. $100 million from Bloomberg in the state. Uh, and also one thing they'll be trying to do is turn around, split that Latino vote in Florida. And the DDT forces are doing everything they can to suppress the votes of folks in Florida that they think are not likely to vote for him. And one example is that conservative, some conservative judges have decided that a law passed by the Oregon by the Florida legislature overturning in effect the law that was adopted by vote of the people of Florida that that said felons did have once they served their time did have the right to vote and so the legislature passed a law saying well yeah they have a right to vote after they have paid all their fees and whatever fees they owe and whatever recompense they owe, then they can vote. And so obviously a poll tax. Could you come up with something more obvious a poll tax? But the conservative court has said, yep, that's okay. So those folks are not going to vote and it doesn't have time probably to get to the Supreme Court. And if it does get to the Supreme Court, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in the integrity of at least four members of that court to overturn the circuit court ruling. What else you got? Uh, 
the I would ask you, Dad, if you were going to spend, if somebody gave you a hundred dollars uh, in Florida, or maybe even two million of it, how would you spend them? And I would ask listeners this question as well: What is a novel way? I mean, of course, you can put it on TV. Uh, what is a, potentially a novel way that you would spend campaign money? We're going to have the most expensive election in the history of humankind. That tends to happen every four years. Uh, that it's positive has been a growth industry, and there's inflation. But I would say, and you could say the text line, I don't know if you already said it, Pop. Uh, what is it? 503-233-9729. 503-233-9729. You can tell us your name, otherwise we might make one up. But, Dad, if you had... You can pick whether you want to spend a million dollars or a hundred million dollars. If you had a million dollars, a hundred million dollars, and you wanted to elect a candidate of your choice, how would you use it? Well, if I had a hundred million dollars to spend in Florida, I'm not sure that there is time to do what I would most like to do it because you know we're we're what six six weeks out, not six weeks from tomorrow is the election day. I think seven. Is it seven tomorrow? I think so. I would I would try to invest it in a real grassroots effort to try to get just a whole lot of people so I would pay organizers so they could develop so they could put 80 hours a week on it for the next 6 weeks anyway to go out and find volunteers who are going to leaflet? You have to, you know, knocking on doors is kind of problematic. Although I think if you wore a mask, and you knocked on a door and then stepped back two steps, to really get out the vote and to also make people aware, aware of the truth. And and I would distribute, I would distribute one or one pagers, with lots of white space, but nonetheless one pagers of truth, facts that folks who watch Fox News know nothing about and refuting lies which folks watching Fox News thinks are true, I would, that's where I put the money so that hopefully in the next two weeks virtually every single voter, not just Democrats, not just independents, not just uncommitted, but every voter was contacted and got a truth sheet about Fox News and DDT and for the Democratic population and the independent population and urging to make sure they got out and voted. What, what, what would you do with it? I would start by putting in a swimming pool and swimming around in it like Scrooge McDuck. That's what I would start. Uh, and no, I think that there is one of the things that's too bad right now. Is I think one of the uh, I do think that the undervalued communication asset is social media. I think that social media ads per eyeball are still cheap. But yeah, the way I would think about it, and again, six weeks is brief, but if so is seven. Uh, but roughly speaking, would agree. And this I will cite Paul Wellstone. If you can build a grassroots campaign, what you get out of that is not only is not only that election. What you get out of that is building a set of people, many of whom will be engaged in the public thing for a long time. And so, when I think about a hundred million dollars, I get frustrated the notion that it gets spent on television. Absolutely, get, not because TV ads aren't effective, uh, but I think they're less effective now, significantly less effective now than I think they used to be.
Absolutely. Uh, One of the biggest reasons that they're ineffective is the remote. People use the remote. I see very, very, very few ads for anything because I have the remote and I know what my fallback is when I'm watching one show. I know what my fallback is that I can go to for two minutes and come back so I don't have to watch the ads. The and while while I have this thing, I would I would want to absolutely inundate Florida with lawn signs and with bumper stickers and with window signs so that you couldn't go a hundred yards in any residential area without seeing a lawn sign. You couldn't drive a quarter of a mile without seeing a bumper sticker to just create a groundswell. There's a, there's a debate within current, we should get to other election news, and I guess, I guess we'll wait for Thursday to cover more local news, because yeah, you're going to be interviewing MMRS. No, 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 no. Please, please tell me I am not doing the interview, because I didn't know about the interview this morning, and I, <laughs> I am totally unprepared to interview, so I'm hoping you're able to do it. Tell we'll me you do are. our best. We'll see if two, two people on the phone works. Okay. Um, the, uh, the, but there is, a, I do need to flag about what you just said. There is a, a debate that has mostly been lost by what you just said. The dominant uh, viewpoint in most political consulting circles is that uh, lawn signs are not persuasive and therefore not as worth doing. I share a different view. I think lawn signs show social proof, which I do think is persuasive, even though the lawn sign itself is not persuasive. Uh, and it also is a way for people to engage. And I think ultimately having more people engaged in a movement is how you build a movement. So anyway, I'm pro-law inside. But moving on from that, uh, that did want to say that uh, the Wisconsin Supreme Court has ruled uh, that the, uh, you know, the bare conservative majority of the Wisconsin Supreme Court has ruled uh, that there needs to be a delay in mailing of Wisconsin ballots on behalf of the Republican-funded Green Party candidate in uh, in that state, I don't know if you caught that story. Yeah, they caught it because because they're because the Green Party didn't make the ballot. Say again. As I understand, it, it's because that Green Party didn't make the ballot. Right, and they are entertaining, and and then they had you had public money go in to say, hey, wait a minute, and with the Green Party's. Uh, with the consternation of many, uh, not only big D Democrats, but many progressive uh, activist consternation, saying that the Green Party has become just a, uh, just essentially a tool. Yeah, they're just a stalking horse. They're just a, they're they're just like Kanye West. And that it's uh, and that now the Green Party entered into a lawsuit to try to pause the election so that they could get on the ballot. But meanwhile, that's going to throw into chaos potentially the ability to vote by mail on a good timeline. Ben Sass is calling for the repeal of the 17th Amendment, Dad. We're going to talk about that on a different day to eliminate the popular vote for U.S. Senators uh, and have the state legislatures pick. I was hoping to talk about that. We're going to have to wait till Thursday. Uh, is there any other uh, any other news that you want to make sure we say? Well, what, we what, what, while, we're talk, while we're talking about elections and courts, the Ninth Circuit has told Oregon 
that their the redistricting proposal is not going to be on the ballot this year. And next week, I think we next week or maybe on Thursday of this week, we should tell people what actually is going to be on the ballot next year because there's going to be a fair amount. The Department of Transportation, have you ever heard of the Mobilization Accessibility Committee? I have not. Well, I had never heard of the Mobilization Accessibility Committee, but it turns out that that apparently is an immensely powerful advisory committee to the Department of Transportation. An audit, Secretary of State audit, which decries it, says there are 12 members of it. The majority of the members represent trucking and freight, and they have the ear of the DOT, no pedestrian representation, no bike representation on the committee. And that's, that's just one of those things you don't know about that we need to, to know about. There's, in a poll of Oregon voters, the biggest issue Oregon voters said they saw right now was the protests, and over 50% of the folks said police should be using more force against protesters. I would like to remind you what I've been saying on this subject for some time. Some time. And the, the last thing to, is relative to that, the city's street response program, which was supposed to move responsibility from the police to non-police for, for people with mental problems and so on, is being postponed for a year, which I'm sorry to see. Those are the things I wanted to make sure we cover today. Is there anything else before I give my straw in the wind and turn it over to you for your interview? I think it's time for your straw, Pop. Straw. I have two straws. Do we, let's see if we let's see if Brian by golly he did it. There's the music. Good for you, Brian. Two straws. The Indiana Pacers are needing a new coach because they have fired Nate McMillan, the former coach of the Blazers. And on the list to be the head coach of the Indiana Pacers, Becky Hammond. I'm a little doubtful she'll actually make the cut, but the fact that she's on the list is no small thing. And relevant also is the new Citigroup group boss, Jane Fraser. Women. Both straws in the wind. Well, we've done it again, my boy, and we'll be back on Thursday.